to Coffee Chats with Inspiring Women. I'm your host, Allison, and today we're going to be talking to Chasta Hamilton. A little bit about Chasta. So she believes the performing arts can change the world, and she's on a mission to make that happen. As the owner and artistic director of Stage Door Dance Productions, Chasta is reinventing the dance education model by focusing on character development and community involvement in addition to technique and performance attributes. This journey is detailed in Chasta's best-selling inaugural book, Trash the Trophies, How to Win Without Losing Your Soul. She's the founder and president of the nonprofit Girls Geared for Greatness and the founder and former editor of The Dance Exec. A 2007 Park Scholarship alumna of NC State University, Chasta was also recognized by the Triangle Business Journal as a 2014 40 under 40, and in 2016, a woman in business, future star. Proud to call North Carolina home, Chasta lives in Raleigh with her husband, John, and their Scottish terrier, Elvis. John and Chasta are eagerly anticipating the debut of their greatest production to date, the arrival of their baby boy this spring. Welcome to Coffee Chats with Inspiring Women, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Coffee Chats with Inspiring Women. I am so excited today for my guest with me, Chasta Hamilton. Hey, Chasta, how are you? Hey, Allison, I am doing great, and I am so grateful um, to be here with you today. So thank you for having me. Of course. I'm so excited, so incredibly excited to have you on this podcast. A little bit about how Chasta and I know each other. I always like to give a little bit of a story. We met a couple years ago. She actually uh, knows my mom, who was a chorus teacher at Athens Drive for several years, and Chasta would work with her through that program. And then my mom introduced me to her, and I went and took fun dance classes that she had. And we met then, as well as I think we have some connections with um, the church as well through through your husband. So lots of different ways that we know each other. It's true. And I have loved your mom for many years, and I love you just as much. And I'm just, I'm so excited uh, for this opportunity. And I just think that you are really amazing and inspiring woman too. Thank you for the work you're doing. Yeah, of course. Well, to kick us off, uh, Chasa, I want to just open this up and give you an opportunity to share a little bit about you and your story. We only have one episode, so I'll hit the highlights for now. um, And we can kind of dig a little bit deeper um, as we go. I grew up in a very small town in East Tennessee and was just a very creative and imaginative child. Um, I started dancing at the age of two, and I just loved it. You know, I had some hardship in my childhood. I lost both of my parents when I was very young. Um, My dad passed away when I was two and my mom when I was nine. And dance, the performing arts, were kind of this common thread of catharsis. You know, I found them to be so healing and so powerful in my life. And I knew that I really wanted to do big things, but I didn't necessarily know how I wanted to do those big things. When I graduated high school, I got the Park Scholarship, which brought me to Raleigh, which is where I've stayed since 2003. And when I came to Raleigh, you know, I was surrounded by all of these just incredibly smart people. I was living in a metro instead of a small town. And I was wrestling with this, you know, sense of imposter syndrome um, of, you know, do, can you do the arts and do it really, really well or not? So at the time, you know, in college, I was like, I 
will be a lawyer because that's a very, you know, respectable label. And I'll just open a dance studio when I'm 35, which is actually the age that I am now. Um, <laughs> so I was going to I was gonna do law and then I was going to do the dance studio because that was always like my dream. So I had an internship, I think my sophomore year of undergrad with the attorney general, now our governor, Roy Cooper. And I just hated it. Like I really, really hated it. I mean, I appreciated the process and the exposure, but I just, you know, sitting at a desk doing research, it just didn't set my soul on fire. And I would rush out the door as fast as possible because I was doing freelance teaching and I just... I wanted to dance. So right out of college, I opened my dance studio, Stage Door Dance Productions, which our first location was in Briar Creek. We now have two locations and several satellite programs. And, you know, everything kind of took off from there. And I'm not going to say that there was necessarily any year that has been quote unquote easy, but each year has been like a year of discovery and getting us a step closer to this vision. And, you know, when we first opened everything, I was young, I was 22 and I felt like there were these check boxes of what you do to be good. You know, you have recitals, you do a dance competition, you do all of these things that society has said, yes, this is kind of the path you take. And, you know, as the years passed, I was just realizing some of those things weren't necessarily true to what I wanted for like my program or what the brand could be or what our studio could be. You know, we made a lot of moves and and kind of having the power to do that professionally, it's also translated into, you know, my personal life because I think when we empower ourselves to kind of live and speak our truth, everything else falls into place, even though it may cost like so many waves and ripples um, all around. So that's a teeny bit of an overview to get us started. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, um, so one of the things that came out of your story and where you are today, and uh, one thing that I want to highlight and discuss is your book, Trash the Trophies. And I think that has really, for me personally, as someone who's just recently read this, even if you're not in the dance world, even if you're not a part of it, this can relate to you at any in your professional or personal life. And I just find it so uplifting um, that you, and one thing that you just said that resonated so well is speaking your truth, which I think is really hard sometimes because I think we can go through life in a little bit of this either numbing or projecting what we think we should be showing the world and what the world needs. But when you look inward and really define, which it sounds like you were wrestling with that in your 20s and trying to figure out what that was for you. So do you want to expand a little bit about the Speaking Your Truth and your book, um, Trash the Trophies? Yeah. So, you know, Trash the Trophies came about and is centered around why we extracted our company from the competitive dance industry and kind of the journey that led us there. I was just, you know, the performing arts was something that I had loved so much every single year since I was two. And I was I was reaching this point in the business where it didn't feel true to my purpose. I didn't think we were doing our best work. And it just, it almost felt like everything was upside down and awry. There was a lot of negativity, a lot of toxic behaviors, you know, a lot of passive aggressive stuff. And, and I, you know, it was either we have to change what we're doing, or I'm not sure I can continue doing this any longer. And, you know, one of the unfortunate things that I've read along the way is that sometimes we have to get to a point where the pain is so intense that 
we're okay with whatever is on the other side to make the change versus being proactive in the change. When we left the competitive sphere, which was a huge brand shift, it was really just a huge, you know, completely realigned our strategy, lost a lot of clients, lost a lot of staff, but on the other side, gained a lot of clients and found like a purpose and a mission. So it ended up being a win, but kind of in that middle area where the change was happening, it's very messy and very yucky. And I think that's how change often goes. But, you know, through that process and seeing the other side of it, it's, you know, every time we now that we have to change, it's it's easier and we're more confident in who we are and how to execute that change. And that's trickled into my personal life too. You know, when a relationship's not working or when you need to say no to something or when you really want to go for something and hopefully get that yes. Um, I think this life of what feels right, and even if it's not popular at the time, but sticking to it and staying committed is really healthy because then we're being true to ourselves versus fear of what others may perceive us as being. And so in in some of these layers, one of the things that I wrote while I was reading your new book is she's observant, she's stepping back, and she's asking herself the hard questions, which in that middle of chaos that you're talking about, is really hard because it's e- the easier route would have been, I'm just going to keep doing this. I'm just going to keep putting on this mask. I'm just going to continue to move forward because this is what is supposed to happen. But you talked about listening to your gut and really like taking those steps back and, and really observing what's going on, which I feel like a lot of us don't do very well. And I'm learning how to do that you know, in my life daily. So can you elaborate a little bit more about, and I I agree, I think there's like the survival, like the pain and the survival, but there's also like, you have to be brave enough to really assess and understand your values and your strengths and what motivates you in order to move forward. That is a really good point. And during this kind of this period of change, one of the things that I felt very strongly about was let's be Let's be proactive instead of reactive. Let's not make a decision just because it feels right, like in this one moment that may be so terrible. But instead, let's actually gather the data, listen to the voices around us, listen to ourselves and what we're hearing and what we can creatively invent to maybe replace this piece that that isn't feeling great right now. And what can we bring to the table? And, you know, these seasons and these changes, they take they take time which for me, I'm a very impatient person. So sometimes that can be really hard for me because sometimes when you want change, you want it like really fast. And that's just not always the best way to create lasting and meaningful change. So if there's something that needs to be done or that needs to be addressed, like take the time, vet it out and take take into account the feelings of the people around you and the people that support you. And I just, I think that's the best way for long-term success. Yeah, I really resonate with the impatient part. I think as people who are creative and want to see the change, I get into an extremely over-functioning mode because I want to like see it right then. And it's true, like going to family and friends and people of support to stay grounded, to make sure that you're able to see the long-term versus, because one of the things too that I think would segue good into this that you talk about is um, taking action. So I do think there, even if it's small, right, but having that plan to be able to take action 
and take it in the right way so that feel you are in that grounded state. You're not um, in a reactionary state. You're responding versus the reaction. And, you know, there was a person in my inner circle at the time that said, you know, if you make this change, you're done. Like you're very successful in the competitive dance industry. You make this change and just forget it. And, you know, then when we added the philanthropic component, same person said, be prepared to write a check out of your personal bank account because there's no way you're going to be able to raise this kind of money. So yes to the support, but also realize like when you're faced with like extreme resistance from like an anomaly in your circle, that that could also be an indicator that that's something that's like weighing you down and not allowing you to move forward too. That's very true. So it's, it's taking that guidance, right? But realizing what those boundaries are for yourself and still making sure that thank you for giving your opinion. And I appreciate that. But, you know, this feels right to me and this is where, you know, I feel like I'm led to continue to go. That's really good advice because I think we all have that friend or that (laughs) family member that may not see eye to eye. But that's it's a guidance, right? Not it doesn't dictate how you. Yeah. And, you know, the challengers, it's healthy to have challengers in our lives. That doesn't mean that that's the same challengers are going to be there for every chapter. I think they change a lot as we kind of evolve and grow. But the challengers are good because they make us think things through a little more thoroughly. You know, I have a my therapist, she, she gave me a really great piece of advice. And she said, you know, scripts and narratives of challengers reflect their story. And that's not necessarily your story. Um, so a lot of times when people are reacting a certain way, it's because it is a piece of their script or their narrative. And then again, going back to the responding and the reacting, how we choose to intake that information is on us. So anytime you're going through change, I just think that's a really good thing to keep in mind because ironically enough, even though I seem to be surrounded by change and conflict a lot, I, it is, I hate conflict. I really do. So I'm a people pleaser (laughs) and I, you know, I just, I don't like it. So that was a tip that she gave me to kind of help me work through those scenarios. You were literally everything you're saying is me to a T people please or conflict avoider all the things. So I really resonate with, with how you're, how you're speaking about this, defining your truth. When you talk about listening to your gut, knowing that you weren't in that space, like what, what inspired you or what continued to move you forward and not let what everybody else in social media or the other dance studios were doing to hold you back? Like, how did you, how did you work through that tension? So I'm also a very stubborn person. (laughs) And once I commit to something, I, it has to succeed. Like, I just don't see failure as an option, which, you know, when I opened the studio and was so young That was one of, you know, I was like, this studio is going to be successful. And once we had all of that gathered, I was so confident. I was like, this program will be successful on the other side. But it got much smaller before it ever got bigger. Um, And I like to give this just example as a point of reference. So when we decided to step away from competitive dance, we had 55 students in the competitive program which represented only about 10% of our overall student population. The year after, once we converted the competitive program to an intensive training program, those students went from 55 to 13, but our overall enrollment increased 25%. And then now, even in this pandemic year, our intensive training program has 65 students, making it larger than the competitive team ever was. 
Um, so, so I just think that you just have to be stubborn and steadfast. And that commitment piece is so important because it's so yeah. easy to be like, oh my gosh, I made a huge mistake. Now I'm going to backtrack. But I think you have to, you have to stick, you have to speak your truth and then you have to stick to your truth. Right. And then you have to find your tribe that, you know, especially in the dance world, right. With the community of saying, making sure they're all on board with how you want to present this and how you're moving forward. I'm sure as an owner of something, you have to be very, you know, diligent. Yeah. You have to be diligent and you have to also be very transparent and you have to educate your clients um, because they're coming to you for your expertise. So whatever you're telling them is the right way, they're going to trust your guidance. And, you know, and that was one of the motivators behind the shift too, because, you know, I want to endorse things that I can really believe in and stand behind and that represent good in the world. And that, that's kind of the heart of the book really is, you know, it's set to this shift away from competitive dance, but it's really about personal and professional transformative leadership. You know, how can we take the world that we live in and make them better and, and happier and make ourselves better and happier in the process? Um, and any book that quotes and talks about Dolly Parton is one one for me. I will say that. When I read that, I was, again, just like, yes, yes, yes. So can you talk a little bit about that part of the book, too? Because I, I really... Yeah. So, well, you know, Dolly... Dolly's hot right now. But, you know, growing up in East Tennessee, she just she just was like one of us. So everybody would have a season pass to Dollywood. You know, you would go there like maybe once a month. Like I would go with my cousins a lot or my friends. And, and you didn't this like simple lifestyle of this like smaller, you know, mountainous existence. It's just such a great place for cultivating dreams and ideas. And sometimes in the faster paced world, I think we lose sight of that. So I have to say that um, I'm so grateful for just the years where I could talk to myself from sunup to sundown and play all of these imaginative games in childhood and, and see, you know, this female role model like Dolly Parton, who, you know, now we're recognizing everything she's accomplished, but it it wasn't really talked about as much back then. So I have to say, like, when I listen to the podcast, which I'm sure you have, you listened to the Dolly podcast? I've listened to her with Brene Brown. Yeah. Well, I think it's called like Dolly Parton's America. It's kind of like a documentary about Dolly Parton, but I listened to that and I was just like, this this is so good because, you know, her whole motive is let's focus on bringing people together collaboratively through the good in the world. And I just, the world needs so much more of that. Yes, I totally agree. All right. So one other question that I wanted to ask, and then we can get into rapid fire questions towards the end, but um, what would you tell Chasta 10 years ago, if you could go back and share any wisdom or just like, what would you I think? I would, would share that the hills and valleys are going to happen. You know, I, the, there will be the highest of highs and the lowest of lows and that's okay. None of them last forever. Think about the leadership. And, you know, I, in my early years, I don't think that I was the best leader that I could have been because I wasn't thinking about it enough. I was just doing those check boxes. Think about, I was thinking about things in five and 10 years, but not with, the thought process that maybe I wish that I had used. And I think part of that comes from learning. So I guess I would tell 
myself to just really be open to learning and not boxed in to any preset notion. Okay, we're going to go into rapid fire questions. Uh, what do you like so to do? So typically, I love to travel, see theater, and do fun things that have not happened in a year. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this past year, I've had to reinvent what fun looks like. So fun this year has been, um, I had a phase where I really got into the home edit and was into organizing. I went through a baking phase like everyone else, you know, a lot of time spent outdoors and uh, with a baby on the way, a lot of research for baby stuff. So, so fun has shifted, um, but I'm, I'm also eager and excited to get back to, to former fun as well. Okay, what is one word to describe yourself? I would say innovative. What's a good so book this, that you've read lately? This book is a recommendation that I came upon in 2017. And, you know, we were coming out of the competitive shift, but I was going through some things in my personal life as well. And I bought it at an anthropology at South Park Mall in Charlotte. When when times get really hard, I go back to it every single time. So I, when the pandemic started and we had really, you know, life felt very crazy, I went back to this book. And it's such an easy read. It's all quotes, um, but it's called Brave Enough by Cheryl Strayed. And, you know, she wrote Wild, is really well known for her story. But this book called Brave Enough, the quotes and the advice in it, just they speak to me on like such a deep level and anytime things really are feeling crazed and derailed, that's that's the one that I pick up. Okay, awesome. Most inspirational so, person you know, in your life right, right now? now? I feel like there's so much inspiration all around. Um, I've talked about this a lot, but being in this global pandemic, you know, typically when we experience crisis, we experience it as an individual and everyone else can kind of gather around us and lift us up and help us through it. But this, what we've been going through has experienced every single person in all different ways. And I think the inspiration is in the fact that, you know, the people that are still moving, that have been working, you know, so hard to dig into new things, um, even like your podcast, for example, or, you know, getting this vaccine to the market, the healthcare workers or the people that are like, you know, we're going to keep our small businesses open. I think that there's been so much inspiration just all around if you look. And, you know, I think it's so easy to get weighed down because a lot of times we hear the negative stories more than we hear the positive. But if we look in our day to day and at our neighbors and at the people that surround us, the inspiration is there. And that's what I've really leaned into over the past 12 months, I guess. You know, what's um, saving you right now? Just trying <laughs> the thing that I, that is saving me right now that I am really trying to focus on is balance. You know, when this pandemic started, I found myself going back to, to working kind of like I was in year one of the business, um, just like nonstop sun up to, you know, middle of the night hours. And then at some point I was like, this is not sustainable long-term. So how do you find balance and how do you keep it as a part of your habit? So some of the things that I do for my balance, um, I make sure to work out every day. 
I make my bed every day. You know, I, I try to work on agendas and schedules and delegation and just trying to keep things as normal as possible, even in the midst of being completely abnormal. And so if people want to learn more about what you do, Chasta, and follow you, where can they, where can they find you? And also if, if it's more adult women, do you have, do you offer classes um, for yeah, adults. so I, I have a website. It's www.chastahamilton.com. Um, all of the info for everything is on there. So links to my social channels as well as um, information about the book. So for adult classes, they're one of my absolute favorite things to teach. Um, we've just had trouble figuring out like the regularity of what works for adults. But I'm hoping that like once we kind of continue cruising out of this pandemic, that people are going to be very eager for in-person classes and we can get some of those theme jazz classes going again um, and just really having a good time because, you know, what I have learned through all of this is that community and connection are at the heart of the dance studio. So, you know, that's what we never, we didn't want it to be impacted by competitions. We didn't want yeah. it to be impacted by the pandemic. We wanted to keep the integrity of the community and our connection and um, I do hope that more adult classes will be a part of that in the future. Agree. I definitely think I could get some of my girlfriends to to come. So I would love to do that. Well, Chasta, Thank this you, has Allison. been awesome. Thanks so much for your time. Mm-hmm.